at this point i'm like okay and i have to send it to him to sign because how do i sign he's like in a different country i'm here how do i sign so i i started googling some dude told me that just put it in a google doc and they'll sign it and put a image there i don't know why that blog is still live i did that send it to him with an image of my signature which i had scanned and put on the page and then he sends it back to me with a proper like docu sign and all of that i'm just feeling like dumb as fuck you know they're just sitting there and thinking like dude like okay this looks very shabby but everything is done the contract is signed i can now work and that so i was at work it was monday like i had already wasted the entire weekend doing this and i would work on weekends so i'm like weekend is gone today i'll work so i was at work it was like 1 pm like in the middle of work and then he sends me okay what are the next i am just freaking out like now ஒரு <laughs> that everyone uses initially so yeah that i had that open and he seeing me create invoices and then he sent it back to me hi everyone welcome to another episode of connecting and stuff a podcast where we take a topic from our professional life and try to have a personal conversation mm-hmm. about it today we have ishan with us he is the founder of this marketing agency called sphere growth mm-hmm. and um today he is going to take us through his journey of being an employee to consultant to now an agency owner and all of that happened in a really small time span correct me if i'm wrong ishan you left your job in 2019 and then you launched uh, your agency in 2021 right uh no i left my job in 2020 and then okay. i uh, and then i started the agency in 2021 yeah <laughs> yeah so that is like uh Three years, and in those three years, we also had pandemic and recession. Oh, yeah. So all of that considered, I am pretty sure you would have a lot of good stories for us. So before we dive in and before we start the actual conversation, do you have anything to add to it? Um, anything you want to share? Yeah, I think I had a pretty interesting time before the job while in college. Right, that was the time <laughs> when I actually got into this entire. oh what like they're just doing random stuff and making my parents really uh, worried about me all the time that that started in college we, we okay, can so, talk about that so, as well actually it started from the college i i guess yeah. i skipped a few years <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway i mean um, you left it in you left you left your job in 2020 So mm-hmm. what was that feeling? I mean what was going through your mind? Uh, I mean a lot of people ask me this question as well because I also left my job and started freelancing. So why would a person leave a really good paying job, secure job mm-hmm. uh, without having anything lined up? Because you also left your job without having anything lined up. Uh and take that decision. What goes through your what went through your mind back then? <laughs> yeah, um <laughs> that, that's something that I think So people just say oh that is so brave and you know like after you leave a job that that's like the common things that people say but mm-hmm. honestly it wasn't like that I mean it's not that scary of it I mean see, when you're doing it then it's scary but once you've done it and it's just been done right then you realize if you think about logically it wasn't that risky 
I'll, I'll explain, right? So, <laughs> I'll, I'll maybe like do a story. Like, why did I leave? Um, it was a good job. Uh, great manager. Like, absolutely. Like, I still respect him. Still speak with him. Like, amazing guy. Stranger, like, love it. Like, he he scolded me so many times <laughs> for all these different things because of which I was able to learn a lot of marketing. So, marketing. So, a lot of respect for that guy. Uh, for for basically Stranger and like amazing person. So. people leave managers i had no reason to leave my manager <laughs> right uh, the company was good the position was pretty good i just felt i wasn't learning enough and for me that was reason enough to be like okay if i continue this path i'll not learn at a pace at at the pace i want to and if i change my path i may or may not mm-hmm. so it's just like okay there is a may in that may or may not so let's just Let's jump okay. ship. So that's basically that. That was it. Uh, now, how it went about was much more scary. But yeah, what about so, you? Uh, for me, it was uh, my reason was bit different. Um, for me, it was recession mm-hmm. because I recently um, switched. Uh, actually, I uh, I have done this twice. <laughs> I left my job in uh, October last year, and then I freelanced for uh, three months. then mm-hmm. i got scared because i was not making as much money as i was as an employee uh, mm-hmm. and three in three months i joined another company okay um so yeah i gave them <laughs> i was working with this company and then they laid me off after five months and it was like a like an eye opening experience for me i was scared of recession and it actually happened to me and i was like okay this is not going to work for me and i don't mm-hmm. want this uh, Uh, I mean, the freelancing itself is is a scary business. You don't know whether you'll have a client or not, or how mm-hmm. much money you're going to make this month. Uh, so that is there, but still, I am in control. So if I work really hard, I know I'll make money, and I'll I know I'll get client. And if some month I don't want to work and I just want to chill for uh, go out, uh, yeah. go uh, have a one month long vacation, I can do that. <laughs> so uh, this thought kind of um, pushed me. into freelancing and uh, yeah so here we are <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people think that oh i'll leave my job and i'll be able to do whatever i want um because i'll be i'll own you know i'll be my own boss and all that i don't think that's really true because i, I used to freelance uh, once you leave your job and if you're freelancing then you, you have a responsibility towards your clients and then you are also sort of limited by your own insecurities of oh if i don't take this client i won't get another one like maybe i may i may or may not get something later and then if you start a company then you have your responsibilities with your team and then also your clients so just like okay you're just switching one responsibility for something else that is my true honest. yeah yeah that is true you think you'll be your own boss but at the end of the day if you're working with three clients you have three bosses <laughs> so yeah. from one boss to now you have three bosses and the most i mean there are a lot of difficult parts when you start freelancing mm-hmm. i for one did not know how to pitch myself so learning the sales part was very tricky and you know the negotiation meetings and asking for money part it was it is still scary for me for some reason because you know i'm not from sales so mm-hmm. did, do you have such experience now because i don't know it's been a really long time yeah. for you how good are you at pitching and do you have any tips for me <laughs> I'll, i'll i'll tell you a story of me just being horrible at pitching first right so <laughs> this was my first quote and quote high value client mm-hmm. they are a uh, they are a competitor now just fii 
so but still great friends right so still we just like chat all of that but on paper they're competitors to our our now but us now but they were back then they were my first high value client you know like just i had to pay i think it was a my first 1000 dollar you know invoice um <laughs> anyway so i just did not know like what are the steps because before that okay like it was like will you uh, like this is what we need i say okay and then i start working and then they yeah. pay me you know like I, i thought like that's how it works because again i was freelancing casually and that happened and this is this guy was somewhere else and he owned an agency he had processes so he expected me to have processes oh. beyond this so i remember we were chatting and he said will you do this i said okay i'll do it and then next week like what are next steps i said i'll now i'll do it you know like what, what are you expecting from me? Like, <laughs> you know but we just we just discussed and i was like wait like what does he want from me he's like my first high value client i'm like i don't know what he's expecting from me though right so he's like no no will you send a proposal i said acha you, you need a proposal like okay I'll, i'll create one so i start quickly googling oh yeah yeah of course i'll send you a proposal start googling how I to know, create a proposal <laughs> yeah how to create a proposal what should it have and then just went on the rabbit hole took me like, i think a good 10 hours because i overdid it to just create a proposal send it to him i'm like okay cool done now i'll do the work he's like okay what are the next steps i'm like what do you mean by next steps i'll work now <laughs> <laughs> what did he expect now now will you send the contract <laughs> what the hell okay so i i i'm trying to figure out how to do a contract and then at the end i i somehow make it right now again taking a lot better now at this point i'm like okay now i have to send it to him to sign because how do i sign he's like in a different country i'm here how do i sign so i i started googling some dude told me that just put it in a google doc and they'll sign it and put a image there I don't know why that blog is still live. I did that, sent it to him with an image of my signature, which I had scanned and put on the page. And then he sends it back to me with a proper like DocuSign and all of that. I'm just feeling like dumbass fuck, you know? They're just sitting there and thinking like, dude, like, okay, this looks very shabby, but everything is done. The contract is signed. I can now work. And that so I was at work. It was Monday. Like I had already wasted the entire weekend doing this, and I would work on weekends. So I'm like. weekend is gone today i'll work so i was at work it was like 1 pm like in the middle of work and then he sends me okay what are the next i am just freaking out like now how many steps are there can you give me yeah. a list yeah. like is there anything that is like no send me an invoice i'm like dude what the hell is an invoice you know so my manager actually saw me creating an invoice while i was in in, in office i i I I hadn't told him I'm also freelancing on the side or anything. I remember that was the first time I got caught because I had that I think that PayPal website where you can create yeah. those free invoices that everyone uses initially. So yeah, that I had that open and he's seeing me create invoices and then he sent it back to me. But that was and then I was like, okay, do you want me to work or do, do, should I do the SEO bit or not? Right? Like, should I just keep doing making contacts for you? So. that was my first how my first high value client uh, started the project started yeah these steps are actually very tricky and time consuming i also find creating contract and invoice i sometimes feel like should i hire someone <laughs> pay them on hourly basis and they can create all these documents for me because it takes a lot of time to create a proper contract and it's boring 
sometimes i feel like should i copyright all this contract because i am a copywriter i can improve the paragraphs and like what is wrong yeah no i think it's, it's every step is important and now i think we have processes so it does not take that much time now it takes like maybe 15 minutes for all three of these steps together uh but yeah back then when i didn't know what it was that first time was just like running around trying to figure out how to do different things uh, and every resource tells you something else someone yeah. says it should look like this someone says it should look like that and so if, if you go on google you'll find yourself wasting a lot of time reading about these different uh, steps and different rules yep so yeah it's scary for you do you have these clients who insist on creating their own contract rather than accepting yours that that happens pretty often especially with larger companies with have their own legal teams either there's a lot of so for example after we say yes in those cases there's some clients who just don't care this like like send like accept it done uh, some clients would want to go through every single thing that they send it to the legal teams and then they would go through everything some legal teams are like dude just here's our contract now you go through it you write down the comment inside sign it then those times it takes a little longer maybe a couple of days extra to just start but yeah that that happens i i had this client who insisted i mean they are a big company huge company mm-hmm. and they are in fintech so they kind of insisted on creating their own contract and i agreed um so that went on for a couple of weeks and meanwhile this guy uh, that i was connected to he was a he I mean we were connected before I become a freelancer yeah, so right. I, I I thought I could trust this person and start working so I kind of started work I started working on the document or the draft that he gave me and I I mean it went on for 2 weeks and I did not share any contact I, I got really worried so one day I got on a call and I told him see I don't know what is happening on your end but I don't feel that you know this is the right way of doing things because I'm really scared I don't know what to do so he was like Ashwita you can trust us So I said yes I can trust you. I'm fine with it. But just send me a piece of paper. It's like uh, so um he kind of talked to his uh, uh finance team and then mm-hmm. they got it done in two days uh, then I was really happy. So I kind of freak out when the contract is not signed and I insist mm-hmm. on you need to sign the contract for me. We had that as we worked together I think that Yeah. So how difficult uh, was it for you I mean uh, I mean right now for example the kind of problems that I am facing is um I have clients but I really want to work on work with the good ones you know <laughs> you always want to work with the good ones mm-hmm. so the problem that I am having right now is okay I have three clients two of them are good one is you know okay mm-hmm. so I want to drop this person and find another one So do you do you face this kind of dilemma and then you feel like no it is your ethical responsibility you kind of sign contract with this person you cannot just drop him just because they ask too many question on book or or book your calendar at random times yeah so uh, have you ever experienced something like this um i'll give you like a couple of stories again right so <laughs> when we started i used to do anything for everyone Oh okay okay basically so i i have done things like and this is during freelancing i would do like okay what what is every single skill in marketing that i have what is every single skill in marketing that my friends have so <laughs> we can do everything right who can we do for anyone right that was how i started my freelancing journey 
in when that was the case i used to have this happen to me all the time right like literally all the time i would have like all sorts of weird requests come in uh i would i would be learning things all the time and then also like the kind of requests that people would have is going to be all all over the place then uh, so that was like one stage but it was fun but it mm-hmm. wasn't sustainable so uh, that's me being saying it politely right so, uh, <laughs> so um then when we start spear growth uh, one thing that we don't talk about right like we don't just tell anyone is that we uh, first couple of months we also had b2c clients okay. because when i used to freelance i had b2c clients and then when we started spear growth it wasn't a specialty b2b saas company even though mm-hmm. i had b2b saas experience that's what i was doing in my job but i had i could do either i was doing both when when we decided not to do b2c right so the revenue split between b2b and b2c was about 60% b2c and 40% b2b uh okay. once the day we decided not to do it we just said that okay we're not going to renew contracts so it mm-hmm. took us about 6 months and so our revenue was exactly flat because every time a b2c client would leave a b2b client would come and that kept happening um so and there was also like times when someone left but no one is here so it was just like mm. in a straight line uh, and then it took off but yeah like we we basically had to uh, replace 60% of our revenue as in like mm. in that time when we had to do that obviously not an easy decision but yeah i think it was a good decision definitely a good decision but so, why did you decide to drop b2c because b2c also spends a lot on marketing back then i had a simple reason i wanted to become mm-hmm. one of the best marketers b2c has to do that in b2c you want you need to know video you need to know understand brand and you have to be really good at it uh, in b2b in my opinion that time i was like okay you just need to understand numbers and operations and processes and frameworks and i was much better at b2b course basic skills than b2c so i just to b2b because i'm like naturally good at it so i just that's it that was yeah. like that's it it was it, there aren't usually grand reasons when you like people expect those stories right which you can go and tell on shark tank that oh something happened <laughs> and it, they weren't any grand stories yeah people generally assume that you know every decision that you take is very thoughtful but sometimes you just go through a lot of experience and decide okay this is what i want to do and then drop everything else yeah i mean i am at this phase right now where i am also accepting all size of clients i am in b2b and i help with content and product marketing so that is my mm-hmm. niche but i also um, you know go with so i right now i want to define the size of the companies i want to go with uh, i think i'm good with startups uh, because i have uh, i mean it, it, when it comes to job i used to work yeah. with startups but if, if i i am also uh, working with few enterprise i have worked with a few enterprise so i feel like okay right now i'm just accepting anyone or everyone for me i want to keep on freelancing or be a solo entrepreneur for yeah. a really long time because i don't think i am a manager person or you know take care of a team uh and that's another kind of responsibility you know so i think myself doing that for a long time um uh why <laughs> i have this question why why agency <laughs> yeah again no grand reasons right so uh, when you left your job 
um, yeah, you wanted to explore something. So for me, it was always like, oh, I want to get better at marketing. So then yeah. after I left my job, I went through, I, I got into this community, amazing community of CMOs. Uh, back then it was very, very new. So it was just like CMOs, hyperactive, and then me. Uh, <laughs> got to see like a couple of CMOs, like a room full of like three, four, five CMOs, reviewing the quarterly plan of another CMO. Like oh. those are things that like does not get recorded. No one sees. And that's like, probably I'll not get to see stuff like that again because no CMO shares their quarterly plans and mm-hmm. no one helps other CMOs. Like sits down and does it. That's not that common. Unless your mm-hmm. friends, you're like, it's not, not with strangers, right? So things like that is what I got exposure to. It was great, right? So I had a lot of fun. Uh, felt like a complete idiot because I didn't understand most of the things that they were saying. Uh, so that that experience helped. So there was a lot of stuff I could learn. Uh, once I did that, I'm a fast learner. That's one thing I'll brag about. So <laughs> once I learned a lot of the things that I had to, um, learned the basics, all of that, then this person, James Gilbert, right? Really look up to this guy. And he's uh, he came, he was so great. He came to on a call with me. Um, and he basically very nonchalant said, oh, okay, so you need to understand business now to get better at marketing. And um, okay, I wrote it down. To get better at marketing, you need to understand business. But one hour after that, I kept thinking, okay, do I really have to do CAT? I'll have to sort of do maths for a year and do English for a year and then that that has no value whatsoever. Like, not cat, but like that one year of prep just seems like such a drag to me. Mm. I'm like, you know, I'll start a business instead. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That just went from being a student to launching your own company. What happened? There were two options, right? I didn't want to prepare for cat. Right, and, okay. and just like MBA after that seems like okay. So one year prepare for CAT, two years do an MBA, then mm. maybe I'll get half decent at it, and then even after that, a lot of times I may not. It's just like it's it's much easier, or or for me since I didn't I even today I don't want a large company. I just want to do some certain things. So it was like hey, if I want to start a small company, it's not it won't take as long. It may be more difficult, but it won't take as long as doing an MBA. So I'll just start a company. Like that was like my, like, or otherwise I would be finishing my MBA right now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I would have finished my MBA in December or something, I guess now. So I, I'm sure I wouldn't have gotten this far in understand, my understanding of business if I did an MBA. The pandemic and the recession, did it affect you in any way? Do you have any learning from them? As, as um, bad as it sounds, it was actually pretty good for me. <laughs> that time, so, I, I I became better at cooking, um, <laughs> so that helped. Also, I, I used to think that someone would have to sort of stand next to me all the time. Otherwise, I'll just be lazy and not work any, not do any work, and that was a major reason why I wasn't ever like going on my own. And in the pandemic, we were all forced to sort of work on our own. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I can work on my own. I don't need a manager. So that was actually a major reason why I could start my agency. That's that's good. But I remember in uh, 2020, uh, the market has a lot of money. Oh, so yeah, yeah. 
uh, even during that time, uh, people were hiring. The companies were hiring like yes. crazy, and that's why the mass layoff happened. <laughs> and there was a lot of yes. money in the market. So um, uh, I don't know. I I had no plan of freelancing back then, but I wish I started then. Uh, what about you? I think you started at the right time. <laughs> oh yeah, I started at the right. You know, we made a we. So I was walking. It was like roaming around in Bangalore. Um, there's this um, bakery. Um, okay. There are these comedians that come and do a show in this bakery from time to time. So, I commissioned a few of these comedians to create a comedy sketch on this scenario, and then I just 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 because because why not, right? And then they they create this amazing sketch for Square Growth, and then um, we we published it. So uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> It it was very it, it was like a very weird thing. It was like weird enough to be a comedy sketch is what I always thought that hey like yeah. how can people hire all like just like this? How can companies get funded like this? Uh, it I was definitely playing on easy mode back then. It was just like very easy. Um, I remember thinking that oh back then like in freelancing because there wasn't nearly as much competition either, right? Mm. Like there was not as much competition and. Um, companies had a lot more budget so it yeah. was so easy to make money i remember i was making like enough money in, in a month or two to survive for a year right <laughs> as a freelancer and so i just never had to worry about that it wasn't even working that much right but uh, and i sort of left that scenario also with uh, to sort of start the agency but mm-hmm. yeah like it was very easy back then. Right now, I'm sure it's much more difficult because with the great resignation that happened, and then companies yeah. were like, "Okay, we'll do it ourselves." And the company started. Then companies started laying off. Um, there's a lot more freelancers now also in the market, and companies don't have a budget. So yeah, yeah. like it's, it's it's difficult. Yeah, recession, you know. <laughs> so what so, are your client red flags? I have a bunch of things that I notice before starting and if i notice a lot of these red flags i don't go ahead with these people so for example one thing is asking for free work you know mm-hmm. uh, i can show you my portfolio sample but i'm not going to do and even if the free work is going to take me more than a day i am mm-hmm. not going to uh, work yeah. on this thing so do you have these kind of red flags i can tell you what it was and what it is okay would that be helpful right so um, so the difference between now and then is that earlier I didn't really have a well-defined niche. Um, mm. I didn't really have a well-defined niche or marketing. So I didn't really have anything like much for marketing myself. Now, since it's an agency, I can spend time marketing the agency. So we have a good influx of clients that keep flowing in and all of that. Right. So these things happen. So uh, earlier, I had like very neat, like four, seven points. I have it open in front of me. This is from uh, I think four years ago. This is from three, three years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is uh, four years ago. Yes. This is basically can pay you what you got. You can get results for them. You like speaking with them. They're mm-hmm. in your niche. They're able to refer you. They may, they will be able to refer you someone in the future or on their own. They are fully committed to the project. And lastly, they, if they are moving from a different service provider to you, they have a good reason to do so. 
that was like mm-hmm. my seven uh this was like when when i used to freelance this is what okay. i would check against that okay is this it or not yeah referral point is a really good one i never uh, talked about this thing i should start talking about referrals yeah, send me the checklist <laughs> this this helped me a lot while i was freelancing now and what is your checklist now it's not that much of a checklist now mm-hmm. um now it's more like since we uh are definitely much more expensive than I, than earlier right when i used to freelance uh also because of this uh, team uh, processes are better the results are better so all of those things have changed uh we get better clients now for example there's mm-hmm. very few there is almost never a red flag if they can afford us so what what happens is there's like a if unless there's like there's not a culture fit like they just really are not a culture fit or for example they have expectations that we cannot meet whether it's us or whether it's their expectations if we cannot meet their expectations and they are a culture fit uh, i'd love to work with anyone uh, just because anyone and that there's also like the price barrier because i tell everyone our pricing on the first call So it's okay. like those three filters get auto applied. I'm not looking for red flags anymore. Earlier, I remember I would just sit down with a pen, pencil. I would have this checklist, and I would like this, you know, like check it out. Okay, this is not happening. Not happening. Oh, there's only one red flag. It's fine. I I would I would do all of those exercises. Now, um, <coughs> now that's not the case. Yeah. What are some yeah. agency red flags? If you had to, or a freelancer red flags? If someone is hiring freelancers or an agency. what red flags should they look out for according to you sometimes you can tell that this company or this person is over promising so for example i uh, went to them and i want them to work on a landing page and they are like okay we can finish it in 5 days and in my head it's like okay i am working in this industry for 5 years and even i cannot finish this landing page in 5 days it will take me more than that time um so i don't know how they are promising this so uh over promising you can sometimes tell and that is a red flag the second thing is when you ask them about their pricing how much do you charge and they have no answer that time i feel like okay maybe you are immature <laughs> you don't know what what to tell because when i am unsure i kind of give them an hourly rate if i can't tell them the project price at that time i just give them a hourly rate to understand okay how much uh, I, am i going to cost them so uh, this there are two of uh, red flags there the other uh, red flags you discover when you start working with them so uh, a lot of times it has happened with me when i was an employee and i was hiring you as your uh, freelancer they are good when they are onboarding you and as soon as you are with them uh, they are not good with communication you are not getting the answers and yeah <laughs> it happens what do you think is the best way for both the company and the agency or freelancer to charge um sometimes i feel the project based pricing is good other times i am like nahi hourly basis is better yeah this is i think there's a lot of people who prefer different things um yeah. there's a lot of things to get if i have if i have to give maybe an a, a bucket answer to someone right mm-hmm. um if you're starting out and you still aren't asking this question just charge anything and keep increasing it till you cannot um <laughs> that's basically it don't think too much about it i mean the time people usually spend in trying to i've seen people spend a month trying to figure out oh how much should i charge and i'm like dude you could have done three projects in this time so i mean just start 
just pick up anything i'm also not against like a lot of people are very against oh like uh, for example when you start off right and you really need a case study just do some free work if you have to yeah. i think that's a great idea get that case study and tell make it clear that hey, i'm doing this for a case study i want to make sure you get successful and i would need a little bit more of your time i don't want your money right now for this project but i would need more time for you to have need a video testimonial and this and that in return for that so stuff like that so you can start with anything you can start free get those that some amount of leverage in some amount of social proof in uh once that is done just sort of pick a price i actually wrote an entire guide on this just pick a price keep increasing it uh when you sort of presenting a proposal there's again a lot of different things you can do one thing that worked worked really well for me earlier i don't follow it anymore as much is something called goldilocks pricing right so goldilocks pricing is essentially you pick um let's say that you know what the price of the lowest package is mm. you know what the price of the you know the prices of the three packages and you want the client yeah. to pick the middle package yeah you've already decided that you don't know what is there in the package so you sort of figured out by the client this is how much i want to charge them this is what is a lower price of that this is a higher price the high has to be high enough low has to be close to it close to the middle price so let's like oh let's buy take option 1 option 2 is just a little more than that and then mm. option 3 is a lot so it acts as an anchor so you're sort of pushing people towards option 2 that you yeah. already decided now you start to fill in the blanks okay what am i going to give an option 2 how can i provide the most amount of value with this amount of budget and then sort of reverse fill it if you don't know the scope you don't know how to create buckets options just try this approach where you figure out the pricing first and then you figure out okay what do i because you sometimes get a sense that oh maybe they'll be okay spending this amount of money but i don't know how to bucket it yeah. in that case you can do this figure out the pricing first and then figure out the deliverable so i think playing around with it not th- worrying too much about it because in 3 months you can raise it anyway and then you you're not stuck to anything just keep raising it to be able to figure out okay this is what works this is where i'm closing clients where i'm not closing clients um yeah i think you will over engineer it honestly <laughs> <laughs> no uh, the saas company they also set their pricing like that and lot of other uh, companies when they have like three tier product they want you to choose one uh yeah. and you go for that one only <laughs> so i'm going to this pricing and yeah we can also try that why not Yeah, because everyone starts with whenever someone goes from full time to freelance, they all do this thing where they they calculate their RD rate as an employee because I was working these many hours. Yeah. <laughs> every single person you see that piece of paper with every single person. Yeah. And they come up with an RD rate, and they either say, "Oh, this is so. This was actually too low, or this was actually too high," with no basis whatsoever, right? <laughs> Without even thinking, okay, you have an RD rate. Then they translate into, let's say, if it's a content writing. this block takes me this long so they everyone does the exact same math and then almost everyone disregards that entire math and then does that starts thinking i don't know how to do pricing because you've come up with a number like that's i've never seen a freelancer who's never not done this like everyone does the math and then oh this our word word rate is too high or too low like yeah. you just do the entire math to figure it out and then you disre- discard it and then you just start, like just pick whatever so Yeah, I don't know. I can tell you how I would have charged if I did content writing. Tell me, please. <laughs> if I d- and I will never. I don't think I will ever do content or design as okay. a 
I just FYI because there's a lot of oh I like this and I don't like listen like I I like things which have subjectivity to it. For example, if we are getting SQLs for our clients, we are getting SQLs for our clients. If it's aligned with the brand, it's aligned with the brand. You cannot like I mean obviously you can have opinions, but then if I'm proving it with data that this works, it works. Right with design, it's very hard to prove it with data. I'm not saying you cannot; it's very hard to do it. Same with content. I mean, the feedback you get is: can you jazz it up a little? How can you work on that feedback? Yeah. How can you deliver with that? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, if I had to charge, or if I had to create a content thing, I would definitely do something project uh, which is more project based. Um, I would, for example. if most of for most of my clients there are two kind of content services i could have right either it could be one off stuff for example writing case studies or mm. it could be recurring stuff like blogs if it is recurring stuff like blogs i would have bucketed out the cost for research and the cost for per blog i would mm. actually bucket it out completely so that would give me and i would also divide the time i would have a separate time for research basically what i would tell them is that hey most clients work with me for x number of blogs you don't need to worry about the words or anything like that what i will do is i will do my research for 3 days 4 days 7 days whatever i will figure out these things i'll make sure we are aligned and i'll present it to you at the end of okay. that any blog that you give me earlier it would have taken me which could have taken me like 7 days now it's only going to take me 3 because i truly understand this this your audience your message your industry so this is going to really help me so uh, I have a separate pricing for basically research, okay. and then a fixed pricing for blogs. So that's okay. how I would have done it. Just that's that's a good one. People don't uh, consider the research part; they just think, okay, I'll we'll give you a topic, and you just need to write it. Yeah, especially if you have to write about an industry, and you have to integrate mm. a lot of product expertise into it, you need to have a very solid process to do it. Uh, or if it's a research based piece so again i would i would actually divide it into parts and price according to definitely not per word i would have yeah, priced it definitely not never never <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay, okay. So, so on that note we are going to end this episode sam thanks thanks for your time i hope you enjoyed it oh yeah yeah definitely if um, Yeah, if anyone, if if you ever want to sort of just look at what I mean by research or something like that, right? For example, we've been doing a lot of work on what demands and looks like because you're in B two B as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how to do that research? There's a lot of things that I've made which it's like ungated on mirror boards. Maybe we can just share that. I'll share it with yeah. you, and you can just link it down there for people to look at. Okay, how to do the research? that helps across ads content seo anything like that <laughs> absolutely would love that awesome thank you thank you so much